The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Ring the bell as we ring in the new year and a new decade. Happy 2020, wherever you are tuned in, whether it is in the good old U.S. of A. or even worldwide. We've got a lot of audience uh, that finds us all over the globe. Thank you for doing so. We are ready to talk the sweet science. We are ready to step through the ropes and talk some boxing here to kick off January and kick off the 2020 fight year uh, that is going to see a humongous rematch. Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury heavyweight championship fight coming in Las Vegas in February. We know that Canelo Alvarez will resurface in May. We're looking at an Anthony Joshua title defense somewhere around May for the unified heavyweight championship on and on. Uh, here through the early part of the year. We're here to navigate it for you. We're here to talk about it. We're excited about all of it on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. And however you found us, whether it's through a social media link, uh, through our friends at Red Circle, through our friends at Spreaker.com, or social media through Twitter, uh, through Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, subscribe to this podcast. That way, when there's a brand new one, it comes automatically to you on your handheld device, on your iPad. Subscribe through iTunes, through Spotify, through Google Podcasts, through uh, Apple Podcasts, any, any which way to find a podcast, Big Fight Weekend Podcast will come automatically to you. You'll get a ding. You'll get a notification. You've got the new one. You've got the latest one. We have got a very interesting, diverse show here. Coming up straight ahead, we will talk with Marquise Johns. Marquise is the uh, purveyor, the senior writer, the guy that keeps it all together on BigFightWeekend.com, the website. We have got a lot of action here for this second weekend of January to talk about, including, depending on when you're hearing us, the Friday night women's world title showdown, long time in the making. Now the fight delayed two different times. It's finally going to happen on Friday night in Atlantic City. Clarissa Shields, Ivana Habazian. Uh, that is a world junior middleweight women's title fight that's got a lot of soap opera-esque situations. Marquise and I will talk about that. There's also an ESPN fight card for Saturday night, same locale in Atlantic City. Marquise will have the insight on uh, Hart versus uh, Joe Smith Jr. Uh, for that light heavyweight showdown. And Jaime Munguia, the WBO junior middleweight champion, he is moving up to middleweight to fight Spike O'Sullivan. Who exactly is Spike O'Sullivan? What is with all of his facial hair? Munguia, unbeaten knockout artist from Mexico, looking up, uh, looking to move up to middleweight. Marquise will have insight on that as well. So I'm anxious to talk with him about all of those fights. And again, you may be hearing us later in the weekend and you already know the results of the Shields-Habazian fight, which we hope will be a good one, but we'll we'll tune in to, uh, to wait and see. Then David Payne will be here. Love talking with the boxing writer over in the UK. David has been at this for 20 plus years covering the sport, writing about the sport. His site is boxingwriter.co.uk for all of his updates, columns, and opinions. Uh, David will have insight on the controversy involving Scottish junior uh, lightweight, or I'm sorry, junior welterweight, super lightweight, 140 pound, whatever you prefer. Uh, Josh Taylor won the unified championship in a thrilling fight uh, last winter uh, with Regis Prograce of the United States. And now Taylor splitting from his management team. And I'm not going to sing it like Neil Diamond. Is he? 
Oh, okay, I'll imitate. Coming to America. I don't I don't know if Josh Taylor is going to come to America unbeaten. Uh, right now, maybe a rematch with Prograce, who's from Louisiana. In 2020, they fought a thrilling 12-round fight, the culmination of the World Boxing Super Series 140-pound uh, championship. Taylor signing on with top rank boxing. It has created some controversy with his old promoter, uh, Barry McGuigan, and his promotional outfit in the UK. So David Payne will have some insight into that and what Taylor may be up to next. Uh, and on and on. I look forward to talking with David Payne in just a little bit. Reminder, Big Fight Weekend Podcast is brought to you in part uh, by our friends at Vivid Seats. So whether you're talking about these fights in Atlantic City on Friday night or Saturday night, depending on when you're hearing us, whether you're talking about the Munguia O'Sullivan uh, middleweight showdown that is at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, get your best seats for these fights, that upcoming Wilder Fury fight in Las Vegas with Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. Uh, go check them out, including for NFL Playoff Weekend here. we got playoff football games from San Francisco to Baltimore to Kansas City and Green Bay. Great way to get your hands on tickets and use our promo code BIGFIGHT10. BIGFIGHT10 will save you 10% off of your order if you're a first-time user at Vivid Seats. Look, it's easy. Download the app. Go on the uh, on the app and check out your event, these fights, the, the football, whatever it is. Heck, if you want to go to an NBA game, an NHL game, college basketball, all of it, promo code still works. Big Fight 10 is our promo code. You'll save 10% off your order up to $50. 10 bucks off your order. Download the Vivid Seats mobile app in the Apple Store, the Google Play Store. Again, sign up is free. It will all take less than a couple of minutes to get you on navigating for the great tickets. Monday night, college football championship game uh, here in the U.S., LSU and Clemson, huge showdown. Tickets are through the roof right now, but you can get some good deals on Vivid Seats for the Superdome in Louisiana on Monday night. Vivid Seats, Vivid Seats mobile app. Our promo code BIGFIGHT10 saves you 10% off with Vivid Seats. And let's get rolling with our guests and talk up the sweet science now as we've got fights this weekend and much more on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Yes, here he is. He's actually on the commute, but he, he's been saying to me, we got to talk Shields and Habazin before this Women's World Championship fight, which is Friday night at the time that we're rolling in on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com is Marquise Johns. I have not gotten to say this on the podcast because we haven't had one yet in 2020. Happy New Year to you, my friend. And we've got some very interesting fights uh, and other news for this weekend. Good to have you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, TJ. And more importantly, would you like some ice cream? <laughs> we will get to that with uh, Ivana Habazin's uh, weigh-in with Clarissa Shields in Atlantic City with the ice cream. Uh, what, what was the English queen? Let them eat cake, right? Well, let them eat ice cream was going on in Atlantic City yes. uh, there yesterday. First, before we get to the fights of, of 2020, let's let's go back to last decade because you were in Atlanta uh, for Javante Davis's win over Yorioki's Gamboa 
uh, in a fight in Atlanta that ended up being a battle. It ended up being a lot tougher on Davis to win. You covered it. You wrote about it on BigFightWeekend.com. So now we have learned that Gamboa suffered an injured Achilles officially early on in the fight, fought on with it. Davis had some trouble putting him away, but eventually did get his knockout. Marquise, give me like 60 seconds on what it was like to be around that and how impressive Davis was, how tough Gamboa is, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely, TJ. Yeah, I was at ringside for the fight in the State Farm Arena. By the way, there was a solid 14, 15,000 people there. Great atmosphere for boxing, which I haven't had there in about two decades since Evander Holyfield in those days. So the one thing about the fight that I was interested with, uh, sitting ringside in the third round, Gamble was playing with a shoe, and it looked like a stall practice that boxers used, where they sit around and, you know, they try to stall for more time to get some more time to recuperate. But no, he was legitimately had a torn Achilles and decided to keep fighting on. It was amazing because Davis, for one reason or another, could not put him away with Gamboa still fighting through it. One thing about him with the torn Achilles that I was surprised about was he was able to stand up more importantly. Yeah. I, I, I have not ripped my Achilles at all, TJ, but I, for, from, from first-hand knowledge from people I've seen have to happen, you don't walk around, let alone... So, so we can can interject here. He is one tough dude to have fought even with an injured Achilles. Now, if he had torn that, he would not have been able to stand up. So more than likely what happened is he ruptured it, uh, which I know enough about this. My father had this. I know a couple of others that have had it. You have varying degrees of rupturing your Achilles. And so he was obviously able to stand. So, I mean, he gets, they should have given him more money on the toughness meter, right? Because he could have quit in the third or fourth round and said, I can't, I'm in agony, I can't stand, but he fought on and was throwing punches and trying to plant off that foot. So he, you're right, he deserves a lot of credit. Um, how impressed were you with Davis, or are you a bit concerned that he moved up with weight here and he fought a wounded fighter that's an aging fighter and couldn't knock him out earlier? A little concerned, TJ, only because he pretty much missed weight and was ha- pretty much had to fight at this weight to, and then in his move up to 135, and he missed it uh, as, he, as we know beforehand. He made the weight, yet he had to cut weight to get there, and he really just couldn't put away a guy that everyone, for all accounts, was fought was on the end of his rope. And it, what was interesting about that fight is that G- Davis's fight was fine that he that he won, and it was great for his hometown crowd. The fight beforehand with Badu Jack and Juan Pascal stole the entire show where Badu Jack, once again, is on the wrong end of a, uh, a split decision, where that what may have been, because people were writing their fire of the year category, categories and breakdowns you know, before Christmas, and this fight happened afterwards, and all of a sudden you saw the rewrites slowly come in, where it's like, how do you have that fight not in there? <laughs> right. It was, it was very entertaining and a controversial decision, and they may, they may do this a third time. They may fight again uh, coming up. Uh, just because of how much action there is. All right, so let's bring it uh, to this weekend, to the new year. First interesting fight card weekend of the year from Atlantic City uh, to San Antonio and uh, and to all places, all different places in between. Uh, in fact, there are a couple of cards in Atlantic City, one on Friday, one on Saturday, one on Showtime, one on ESPN, and then a DAZN show involving... Uh, Mexican junior uh, middleweight champion uh, Jaime Munguia and his fight. So some very interesting fights. Let's begin with the Clarissa Shields fight. Again, uh, Ivana Habazin is the opponent. Uh, she's a former world champion. Shields undefeated. She is the women's uh, junior welterweight uh, champion. 
Uh, and, and again, a quick backdrop here, which we've written about on BigFightWeekend.com. This fight was supposed to happen two different times, Marquise. First, in the summer of last year, if I have it right, Shields injured ankle during training. Seriously mm-hmm. injured ankle, couldn't continue to train, fight delayed. Fight then back on for last winter, and and then we have an incident at the weigh-in the day before the fight. It was supposed to be in Flint, Michigan, which is Shields' hometown. She's the headliner on the card. And it turns out that one of her family members gets angry at the trainer for Hobbison, who used to work with Clarissa Shields like a soap opera. And the, and the family member punches the trainer, James Bashir Ali, breaks facial bones, knocks him out, Hobbison is an emotional, hysterical wreck because her trainer got decked right in front of her at the weigh-in. He's injured. There is no fight. It's called off. This is six different degrees of whacked, Marquise, and crazy. And, and now we come to this weekend. So give us give us a little more on this Showtime main event for Friday night, depending on when they're hearing us. Absolutely, TJ. When was the last time you have ever heard in a women's boxing match this much drama? There's not this much drama on any soap operas or loving hip-hop or any of these shows <laughs> compared to the build-up for this, which is really interesting with uh, Shields and Hobbison. Uh, this fight is for, because uh, Shields chasing history here being the fastest uh, belt holder in, in three different weight classes. Uh, this is for the uh, WBO, uh, once a super middleweight title uh, for the women's division, which they found pretty much, it's been vacant for the last three years, TJ. They pretty right. much done this at some garage sale, and now it's to put a line for it against Hobbison, who was a former title holder herself. What's fun about this fight, too, also, is that while she was doing that, she's pretty much on a mission like every other woman in boxing trying to get more money. And hopefully this event will make uh, will put more spotlight on that and hopefully it's a competitive fight as well. Hobbison, who, is, who hasn't, hasn't fought in a while, is, is, is a huge underdog in this fight, TJ. But the one thing I will give her credit for is at the weigh-in, she rolled in. Uh, under, they both made weight. And she made she uh, she sat on the scale eating ice cream. Uh, Shields made weight, which is well, it's the running gag with uh, Shields at weigh-ins too, where her, of her uh, hinting at not missing weight. Offered Shields ice cream at the weigh-in, which is one of the more bizarre well, things I've ever seen. E- it even better. So, much so, so Hobbison, I, I guess, had some idea that Shields was going to be close to the weight limit. So she weighed in first, apparently, and was standing on the scale, eating the ice cream while standing on the scale, and said to Shields <laughs> within earshot, want some? And was offering her some ice cream. That is so tremendous great. boxing taunting. That's almost like WWE Pro Wrestling-esque something that they would write and come up with. So that's the backdrop. Uh, real quick, because I want to move on to the rest of this card. Are we looking at a very entertaining fight? Uh, Shields has not had as much pro ring experience as Hobbison has. Is this going to be a good fight, the Showtime main event? It should be watchable, TJ. I'm not expecting too much from Hobbison personally, but it makes it, cause the taunt, but the taunting makes it help. It's interesting with, with, with Shields because she's, she's pretty much for the last six months uh, since the last incident has been training down here in Miami, uh, has a, been on a different diet and weight regimen. So that's why she was able to make weight easier than as opposed to the other times. So we'll see how, that, how much of a difference that plays out uh, as opposed to when it, was, when it was, took place back in Flint back in uh, of September. Yeah. All right. So we'll we'll watch that one unfold. You're particularly interested in welterweight Jerron Ennis, who's on the undercard, the co-main event of the Showtime card. Give me 30 seconds on on he and his co-main event fight. Absolutely. Jerron Ennis is in the co-main event. Uh, top welterweight prospect, undefeated. Uh, was last seen on the Showtime actually in October. Uh, TJ did absolutely destroyed. Uh, I want to say it was Daniel Ramon Martinez. 
not and, and was impressive fashion. Pretty much every he he has he's has uh, he's on everybody's boxing radar for welterweight prospects. When you mention prospects, he's in the top five, and he's one to keep an eye out. And I think you do the same thing this weekend uh, tonight, actually in Atlantic City. All right, again, depending on when you hear us, you may already know these results. We're in the preview mode before Friday and the weekend at the time that we're talking. Uh, Bakhtiar Iubov, I believe, is how you say the name, is his opponent. Iubov is 14-1-1, has some knockouts, but clearly Ennis is supposed to win this fight. Does he get in the mix for one of these welterweight championship fights? He's on the right side, the correct side of the aisle, because he's a PBC fighter fighting on Showtime. So in the mix of Errol Spence, Manny Pacquiao, Keith Thurman, uh, Swift Garcia, Sean Porter, those are all PBC fighters, and Ennis may be fighting one of them. Uh, coming up. It is the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. I got Marquise Johns with me. I'm TJ Reeves. All right, so let's uh, move to another venue in Atlantic City. The following night, Saturday night, Jesse Hart, Joe Smith Jr., 10-round lightweight main event, ESPN will televise. So two fight cards in Atlantic City of note. Tell me a little more real quick about Jesse Hart, Joe Smith Jr., and why we're watching. Absolutely, TJ. Uh, Jesse Hart is out for revenge against Joe Smith Jr. Joe Smith Jr. Well known was has, hasn't been action since last year, where he was the, on the wrong end of a, a title offense against Dimitri Bivol for 12 rounds out in Verona last March. Uh, this fight for Joe Smith is the, to pretty much bring the city of Philadelphia down again. Uh, he is the guy who know, well known for pretty much sending Bernard Hopkins into retirement. The one thing, TJ, that I, I when I was in Philadelphia for the Gavazic uh, Better Babiev card. Bernard Hopkins was walking around, and he was mobbed by anybody that was there, and that fight is still remembered. And Jesse Hart, as a mentor for Bernard Hopkins, uh, looks up to him and is, is pretty much fighting for revenge on his behalf. All right, so Hart and Smith is the main event. It's not a title fight. It's a light heavyweight title fight. We'll see how that one plays out. Uh, excellent backdrop recap there on that one. Again, that is not on the app. That is on Big ESPN on the show uh, for Saturday night, so we'll see what happens in that. And then we've got the DAZN show also simultaneously Saturday night. That is Jaime Munguia, unbeaten Mexican a junior middleweight champion. He's now fighting uh, uh, here against Spike O'Sullivan. Love that name. An Irish uh, fighter, Spike O'Sullivan. 12-round battle. This is a middleweight fight, correct? This at 160, and Munguia very much wants to be in the picture in middleweight for that ever-elusive name, Canelo Alvarez, or someone else. Uh, Munguia has got a lot of knockouts to his credit, scored one late last year. What about this fight? Can O'Sullivan challenge him a bit, push him a little bit at the Alamo Dome Saturday night on DAZN? That's the hoping, TJ, that Spike O'Sullivan, who has possibly the most epic mustache in boxing uh, in, in this match coming up tomorrow. I mean, that thing is righteous. It, it, it's classic Raleigh fingers, TJ. I love it. Uh, oh. The problem with uh, Sel- the problem with Sullivan uh, is that the last fight he had in, in, in terms of major step up of, of competition, he's, he's a local club fighter who's been fighting out of Boston for the last uh, four or five years. Uh, the, last time, the last time everyone well-known uh, for him is that he, he was knocked out in one round against David Lemieux on the uh, Canelo Alvarez-Golovkin uh, second card in the first round. He, he was the victim of a left on that one. And before that, he was on the wrong end of a fight between Billy Joe Saunders. So he, pretty much when, he, when it comes to bigger names, he's been on the wrong end of it. For him, this will be interesting because with Munguia, Munguia's having weight issues at 154, which pretty much forced him to move up to fight at 160. So we'll see how this works out. I mean, his last fight was 154 against uh, Patrick Cattal, uh, a latte who wasn't much competition for him. This one will be a little more interesting. O'Sullivan is promising a war. He's a huge underdog, but it should be a fun one. 
Okay, and again, while we talk about who's promoted by whom, Munguia promoted uh, here in this case uh, by by DAZN. He's well, he's a Golden Boy fighter, I believe. Correct? Correct That's me correct. if I'm wrong. And so Munguia could yes. be in line to fight Alvarez. You've got Demetrius Andrade, who's the WBO middleweight t- uh, champion. He's defending his title later in January. That could be on the radar for Munguia. First things first, got to take the mustache seriously Saturday night. Take care of business at the Alamo Dome. See how that one uh, comes out. I know you've got to run. We've got to run as well. Promote away because we're going to be in the preview mode, the recap mode on BigFightWeekend.com all weekend, Marquise. Absolutely, TJ. Boxing is back in full swing. And BigFightWeekend.com is your website for all things boxing, past, present, and future. We'll have the recaps of these fights over the weekend. You can find me on Twitter at Weak Sauce Radio, uh, recapping, talking about these fights, having fun with it as well. If you're willing to share your thoughts on anything. Once again, TJ, I'm waiting for that, that challenger for my Twitter lineal championship belt. I'm still putting it up there in 2020. It's been a wrong, ongoing thing. And at some point, Weak Sauce Radio is a, gr- a great Twitter handle. Love that from Marquise Johns. And again, follow Big Fight Weekend. You're hearing the podcast. Follow Big Fight Weekend on social media at Big Fight Weekend. Also, the Big Fight Weekend uh, Facebook page, as well as BigFightWeekend.com. Previews, reviews. You even wrote about Joe Lewis, the Brown Bomber, late in the week. We love historical pieces. You wrote about the Brown Bomber retaining his heavyweight title for the 20th consecutive time. The anniversary of that fight was earlier this week. They can read about that. We love covering all things boxing. Let's hope we get some good fight cards here out of the two in Atlantic City uh, and also the, the main event, the Munguia main event in San Antonio. Let's hope we get some good fights this weekend, Marquise. Thank you. Thanks a lot, TJ. I'm looking forward to it. I think we will. We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. Yes, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. If you've got great takes, I want you whenever and wherever on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, even on short notice. Let's go across the Atlantic from where I am in Florida and in the U.S. of A. to the U.K., to England, and the boxing writer, David Payne, who as we speaketh, as I speaketh, is apparently walking the pooch this afternoon. And he said, as long as you can tolerate me huffing and puffing and walking the dog in the chilly air of the UK while we talk the fistic arts of boxing, I will come on. I will be on. Here he is. Happy New Year. I can't believe we haven't talked yet on the Big Fight Weekend podcast in the new year. Oh, that would be because we haven't had a podcast yet in the new year. So you're on the first one to lead off. Happy 2020. Good to talk to you, my friend. It's great to talk to you too, TJ. Happy New Year to you and all your listeners and Marquise, of course. Let me set the scene, Let me set the scene please, for you. Please, please. The sun is setting in Suffolk, England. The dog is walking ahead. It's cold and chilly. And it's lovely dog walking weather. And, um, yeah, looking forward to the fights coming up in the new year. Um, but, yeah, the, the wonders of technology, walking we, the dog and talking oh, to you. We, we love it. And so I should not mention to you that it's 80 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is in Celsius, but it's a lot warmer. And I walked the dog this morning at sunrise in a T-shirt and shorts. I should not mention that to you, right? I'm not supposed to talk about our weather versus your weather, right? Correct? No, there's, a, there's a lot to be said for being fair-skinned these days. <laughs> I, I, I think it's better for all of us. <laughs> Okay, speaking of better for all of us, what a segue. Uh, The Josh Taylor situation, and for those that are not familiar, he won the World Boxing Super Series junior welterweight 
or uh, whichever you prefer, super lightweight uh, unification fight uh, with Regis Prograce of uh, of the United States. He won a thrilling 12-round fight late last year in the winter of last year uh, to capture the unified belts. The bigger news is uh, coming out in the last couple of days that he is apparently now signed a deal, we say apparently, with top-ranked boxing, Bob Aaron's promotional outfit, worldwide promotional outfit, top-ranked boxing. And there's a good possibility that Taylor will be fighting under that umbrella uh, soon and maybe even in the United States. Now, I couched it as good possibility because we now have statements and threatened lawsuits that are flying since that announcement over the last couple of days. So who better to help me sort through this than the boxing writer, David Payne, who has some insight. So Taylor has been promoted by Cyclone Promotions, and that is former legendary fighter Barry McGuigan and his brother and their family. And Taylor has had a falling out with them, David, obviously, has terminated his deal, according to him, with them and signed with top rank. So fill in the blanks here because this is a great up and coming Scotsman, young fighter, undefeated, who's now gone and signed with top rank. Fill in some blanks for me here on what's going on. Well, firstly, as you say, Josh Taylor, fantastic fighter. If you've not seen him yet, I don't know what you've been watching for the last year or so. Uh, one of the best talents in boxing. Um, and on the cusp now of the real big money fights, um, potentially the American side of his career. Who knows? Um, all sorts of names swirling around. And as you say, it would appear that he's um, had a falling out disagreement um, with um, Cyclone Promotions, Barry McGuigan's firm, and he's he's moving on to a bigger a bigger house um, to top rank. And in echoes of the fallout between the same Cyclone Promotions, um, Barry McGuigan and Carl Frampton, which also ended up in court a couple of years ago, there seems to be some bad blood some disagreement on about what's gone off, which will slowly unravel um, and we'll get some of the picture hopefully in, in the weeks ahead. But what's most important of all, of course, in all of this, like all of these conversations, is hopefully we will still see Taylor fighting and none of this is going to get in the way and we've have, of him having excellent matchups and us getting to see one of the best guys out there. And I would describe it as the light welterweight division, but then I'm a traditionalist. So, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> uh, just your yeah. preference. Do you want to call it junior, yeah. light, or super? Yeah. Or whatever the, 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 yeah but the 140 anyway, pound, or as you just said, 10 stone, right? Yeah, uh, Division right. Uh, that it is. So McGuigan's son, Shane, is his trainer, and Shane has several other fighters in the stable. One of those is British fighter Luke Campbell. Taylor made reference on terminating the deal to conflict of interest. Do we read between the lines that he's unhappy with how he's been promoted, how he's been paid, and that attention's being paid to other fighters, and that's what caused the split here? That would that would seem to be the premise. I mean, the World Boxing Super Series was a very contract-laden um, sequence in which the, the fees were pretty much guaranteed to a and set, um, so I can't imagine there's, there's there's many anomalies, for want of a better word, to be found there. But the the story was that um, that uh, Telly was also going to sign for. I think that there was the rumor that he was going to sign with Matchroom with Dizone, etc. So that's also been cut off at the pass at the last minute. So there may be all sorts of angles and threads to this story that will uh, will unravel slowly and. 
with all things that become legal, I'm sure uh, silence will probably be the best policy for both parties. Um, but in the world of boxing and modern media, <laughs> good luck. Si- si- good luck. Is, it never, never seems to last. And we've already seen Taylor biting on the bait. I may have revealed some of his position that um, legal people may say he would be better keeping to himself. So who knows? Who knows? Um, boxing. What, how many weeks are we into the new year? And we've already got politics as the main storyline. It's yeah. just... Uh, yeah, but there we are. That's boxing. No doubt. Say. No doubt. And again, it's a very talented fighter, undefeated. I, I, I look at this as an exciting thing uh, with the possibility that progress and a rematch could be happening maybe by the summer. You mentioned Ramirez, who's got other belts at, at 140. You mentioned another name before I press the record button on our conversation. Give me another name that you think Taylor could eventually be in front of if it's a deal with Bob Arum and Top Rank. Oh, well... It- I think the I think the drum roll uh, is unnecessary. You can probably imagine that the leap is to Terence Crawford, a guy who needs opponents with profile, and he's uh, he's throwing everything he can at the at the uh, the Spence getting the Spence engine rolling. But <laughs> in the meantime, because Spence is presumably going to need to rehabilitate and fight again before we can fantasize about that matchup. But Taylor said after on the culmination of the boxing super series that there's only so long he can stay at. Um, like welterweight and at the 140 pounds and he wants the biggest fights possible he's a very ambitious confident guy um lots of skills and we'll and we'll be very serious about a campbell um sorry a crawford fight it won't be a case of just trying to get the biggest money and walk away he'll be go he'll go to that fight thinking he can win so i could see crawford i can see the attraction for taylor and i can see the attraction for aram of being able to put that fight together too that's a that's a, a sensational fight yeah, well, let's see if it can come to fruition. I, I would not want anybody uh, to hold their breath because I don't want you to die on on Crawford getting in front of Spence in 2020. But maybe a Josh Taylor down the road, maybe by the fall. Well, so I'd love to. I, I know you're like me. It was a tremendous fight back in October uh, with he and Progress. I'd love to see that again, and maybe we will see it again here in 2020. David Payne. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see it again, and just for the sake of variety, I'd like to see. Taylor Ramirez and see the title unified. I would hope, from my point of view, admitting some bias to see Taylor come through and then maybe a Progray rematch. Who knows? Um, but Progray certainly uh, left a mark on me as a fan, as a writer, etc. He's a he's a guy I'll follow because I thought he was fantastic. His attitude and his performance were were first class. Um, but yeah, I, ju- I just like to see the story keep moving. I'd like to see Taylor Ramirez next. That'd be a, that'd be absolutely fantastic. I've not seen as much of Ramirez as I've seen of Taylor, but what I have seen, he looks fantastic too. So that would be a good style matchup and a real great fight. So there's lots of options out there um, for Taylor, and he's obviously very keen to give himself best opportunity to to reach out and grab them and not be curtailed, as he would seem to think, by a smaller promoter. Love it. Love the inside of David Payne. He's still got the dog walking going on here uh, in the early yeah, evening I'm at the time. It's he, you're fine. You're doing great. Okay. You're in good shape. You're in good shape with that. Uh, all right. So anything else? We've still got a, a little ways before we get to all the hype of Wilder and Fury. Anything else going on in the UK that we should be more aware of? Fighter fight. I'm looking over the schedule. There's not necessarily a big one uh, here for the rest of January that I'm seeing, at least in the UK. Anything else on the radar that we should know about from the boxing writer? 
No, I think you're, as you're right, it's, it's a bit of a slow start. We obviously had the big Joshua finish to the year and we've mm-hmm. got uh, Fury coming up in, in just four or five weeks' time now, which will whistle round, I'm pretty sure. I think the, the one last thing about the, um, the Taylor uh, situation, of course, is that there is a double-edged sword to this. There's one thing leaving the promoter, but of course you have the double departure now also of his coach so uh that it'll be interesting to see who taylor replaces him with he's a a fine athlete a very disciplined trainer and he's got that great amateur background so there there is an argument that anybody could train him at this point but they did seem to have a very good connection with uh mcguigan jr so it will be a shame if uh if that's Send him off, off the rails slightly. So that's that's another angle to look at from that. But no, I, th- I think in the weeks ahead we're we're ticking over with with um, uh, modest fights until we see uh, the big man back in action. The one that I hope everyone's excited about. I'm certainly excited about Fury versus Wilder. Two no doubt. Sensation. Hey, along those same lines, Fury made a trainer change as uh, well. Yes. And so Ben Davidson uh, was the trainer with him. And uh, and and had been with him for the last couple of years of his comeback after being dormant for three years. So he makes that change and goes with uh, a relative of Emmanuel Stewart's um, and the Cronk Gym, the famed Cronk Gym in Detroit. What do you make of that? Just real quick, is, is that is that a positive? To, uh, Fury obviously believes it's a positive, but some say that that's maybe a negative. Uh, changing changing trainers here. Do you have a read at all on Fury? Yeah, I do. I, I, I my immediate uh, reaction was one of um, disappointment and concern because he, Davison did seem integral to the kind of uh, physical recovery of Tyson, but also the the whole mental side of, of it. He seemed to have rejuvenated him, got him focused, and they, they did very much seem a kinship between the two of them. They, they, they seemed necessary for each other. Um, but by the same token, we can also point to Fury's last performance being a bit dis- perhaps more than disappointing. Um, and also there were comments on our, on the coverage that we had over here in the UK from Tyson's father suggesting he was disappointed in the way that he performed and he also expressed disappointment about some of the aspects of his performance versus fury making reference to the fact that davidson wasn't encouraging him to go and knock him out so there's certainly a a a big influence there from from father i would imagine although tyson's very much his own man so as times passed i've also come around to the theory that Fury needs change. He needs, uh, whilst he needs some con- continuity to be mentally healthy, so he needs to be an active fighter. Some change is good for him, keeps him fresh, and that is what he's alluded to in his uh, in his comments on on the issue that he he needed a change. Felt like it had gone a little stale. Was doing the same things. He's a he's a guy who's a complex character. He's begun to understand himself, and I'm willing to um, to believe that perhaps he knows himself better than any of us kind of um, be a mat psychologist thinks that we know him so if he thinks it's for the best for him um, we'll hopefully get the best of Tyson Fury for the rematch because he'll need to be uh, for however much he outboxed him for a long time in that fight he'll need to be at his best if he's going to avoid that right hand and get through the 12 rounds and win the decision which is what I, I would expect if he is focused and disciplined and well prepared all right, again, Sugar Hill Stewart is the nephew of the late Hall of Fame trainer Emmanuel Stewart, who Tyson Fury is now working with. And we'll mm. see in the days and weeks leading up here, there'll be a lot of questions and scrutiny about those two well, together as we get closer. Yeah. May I, 
yeah, just to just to make this a two-way conversation, you may know a little bit more about um, the new character than I do. Obviously, he's got that tremendous uh, connection, historical connection, family ties, etc. Um, I'm not aware of kind of corners that he's worked, fighters he's developed. I'm not sure if he's just a curator and he'll just be holding the sponge and Tyson knows what he's doing anyway. <laughs> I, I, um, I, you know, I, well, they worked together. Sugar Sugar Hill Stewart was in the corner for for a couple of Tyson Fury's fights with Emmanuel Stewart as obviously the main corner man, the chief second. Uh, and, and and Sugar Hill Stewart has been around others, uh, I- including Lennox Lewis late in his career, Vladimir Klitschko when Emmanuel mm-hmm. Stewart trained him. But in terms of necessarily being the guy to run the camp, yeah, indeed, that's a whole different animal, and and we don't know. I, I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see in the coming days and coming weeks leading up to February 22nd in Las Vegas with Wilder and Fury. I always love talking with the boxing writer. Visit his site, boxingwriter.co.uk, over in the UK, boxingwriter.co.uk. Follow him at the boxing writer on Twitter. Dog walk is almost complete, or what are we, about 75%, 90% of the way through? Sounds like we got uh, well, a good walk in. Yeah, we're getting a good walk. He's had double the length because I've turned back to make sure the call stayed quiet quiet away from the traffic so he's he's about finished now tj so he's pleased pleased that we've done this so anytime i'm dog walking feel free to call uh, well the other thing is you're not running through the streets like rocky which we're both favored of with butkus his dog yo butkus yo butkus you're not running with butkus while you're on the phone on the big fight weekend podcast but it's the next best thing have a fantastic weekend thank you for the insight we'll be reading you we'll be watching you as you tweet along He loves the sport as much as we do on Big Fight Weekend. He's David Payne. Thank you, David. No problem. Enjoyed it, TJ. Catch you soon. And there we go. That will do it. As, uh, again, we we always love the insight of David Payne with us most recently there, the boxing writer, Marquise Johns, earlier on the program. Marquise, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. Whenever there are big fights happening, we'll hop on with a preview podcast, sometimes a review podcast. Again, subscribe. That's the easiest way to keep track of when we're on. Subscribe. Apple Podcast Store on iTunes, uh, as well as Google Podcasts, Spotify. Go look, search for Big Fight Weekend, Stitcher as well. Uh, Look through the Spreaker mobile apps. You'll find Big Fight Weekend. Uh, Sign up to have uh, that podcast come to you automatically whenever there's a new one. We love it. So again, however you found us, thank you for doing so. Reminder to keep reading at BigFightWeekend.com. Previews, recaps, historical perspectives. We love that as well. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the fights and thank you for being with us on this edition of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Bye.